0: Right, <laughs> I like to get things pumping. You know, <laughs> relax everybody. <laughs> I like it too. Have some good tunes. You know, know. going gets us in the right headspace. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, well, hey everybody. Today we are going to talk with founder and CEO of FODS LLC, which is an amazing. I always call it a a, a construction technology. You know. Uh, in a way that it uh, removes foreign objects and removes mud uh, from tires uh, in order to stop track out. And so uh, I know Kevin here, Kevin Martinez. Uh, I've known him for a few years now. And I thought that it would be a great uh, chat to hear his story of how he became the, the CEO of FODs and how he came up with this great idea and invention. So buckle up, sit back, and enjoy our conversation. Kevin. Yes, sir. Hey, man. How are you? I'm doing really good. How are you doing? I'm
1: doing good. (laughs) Okay, good. Just trying to get comfortable, so (laughs) it's all good.
0: That's all right. Well, hey, uh, I know you're not a foreign, uh, you know, it's not foreign for you to talk. Um oh, no. I feel like every time we run into each other, uh, you know, you have an amazing story to tell. And really I you know, this show, How'd you get here, uh, I started a few years ago and I found that um every time I'd have a conversation with somebody, they'd have some sort of interesting story about how they got to where they are. And then it it, it was one of those things where I was always reminded that a lot of times people get discouraged. They get um uh, setbacks and then they feel like, Oh, that person is successful because of some silver spoon or that person's successful because they had something given to them or, you know, whatnot. And the thing I found was that the more stories I heard, it was just average people who, um, worked hard or, you know, had a few opportunities given to them that they took advantage of. And, uh, they got success from that. And so what I always want to try to encourage people is to say, listen, you're not so far from where you want to be and you have what it takes within you to be successful.
1: Oh yeah, I and, agree.
0: And I think hearing stories from people allows us to connect with that and it inspires us to, to kind of grow and move forward and um, give us the little kick in the pants the push, that we need yeah, yeah to, to, to be successful. So I want to start from the very beginning with you. Cause I've heard okay. a lot about your stories of you being a pilot and things like that. I haven't heard much about, you know, where you grew up, what kind of home life you grew up in and, um, you know, kind of environment. So let's go ahead and just start back at the very beginning where you were born, where you okay. grew up, what kind of childhood you kind of had.
1: Well, um, I grew up here in Denver and I lived in a very modest home. It was a duplex, um, on 12th and Adams. Uh, My parents were divorced. My mom uh, left my dad when I was five years old. She put herself through nursing school. So my brother and I grew up watching my mom struggle through her um, travels through life. And it was very inspirational because it was like, you know what, I look back at my childhood, she gave us everything that she possibly could, but she really didn't have a lot because she like I said, she was put herself through nursing school. She got a master's degree. And um, we saw all the hard work that she put in. And growing up, I went to Denver East High School and graduated from East in 1980. Uh, went to Metropolitan State College. Um, did, so I got a question for you. Yeah.
0: So you know, growing up in a middle class, lower middle class family? Low,
1: lower middle okay. C- class. Okay,
0: yeah. Um, when when you were completing high school was college something that was valued by your mom or something that you were saying okay i want to go to college did you have a a history of family members going to college and we we
1: didn't have a lot of family members that i I was actually the first one in our family that went other than my mother Hmm. but um she always told us and to this day i preach to my children all the time how um valuable and the necessity of life is education And my mom, she's like, you know what? I can't pay for your college, but we'll figure out a way to get you through school. But um, through my life, God has pointed me in the right direction and things always seem to work out. But when I was in college, I got a job um, as a tile setter for a big construction company doing exterior granite on uh, a skyscraper downtown. And lo and behold, that one job took me through two and a half years of my college, hmm. and it actually paid for my school.
0: Now, when you were going to school, was it some? Was it? Did you have a, a mindset of like, okay, this is what I want to do when I grow up? Like when you were a little kid, did you say, oh, I want to be a doctor, a lawyer? I mean, what?
1: Well, it's kind of funny because um, growing up, I had an uncle, my mom's um, brother-in-law. He was uh, an airline mechanic. And growing up, he would take uh, my brother and I to the airport to watch the jets come in and land. So he kind of put the, the spark in me at that time. And when I got to college, I really didn't know what to do. But I was walking uh, down the hall one day and I went to the aerospace um, program and started in. And I'm like, you know what? I think uh, I'll pursue being a pilot. And I did. And I graduated in 1985. Um, had a a ride with uh, United Airlines um, through their intern program and I said you know what this is something I want to do and I got lucky right out of college. I got a corporate flying job and everything in life has a price. At that Mm -hmm. point in my life everything was great. It was uh, an adventure but my wife and I we met in college and Um, Like I said, everything in life has a price. At that point, I was traveling all the time, never had time to see her or be with her. And then later on, we had a family, and it was always gone. And I grew up in construction, so I came back to it. Hmm. And it was kind of funny because um, everybody thought I was crazy because I was leaving the aviation industry and going back to construction. And they're like, why would you do that? I said, because my wife and my family mean more to me than anything in the world. Hmm. That's the core. And even growing up, my grandfather would always tell us, the family is the most important thing in your life. And I really never knew that or believed it until I got older. And that's when I went back to construction. So I would be home with my family day in and day out, every night, and people ask me, Actually, to this day, a lot of them are like, why would you do that? (laughs) And it's like, you know what? Um, Because my little kids, they didn't know who dad was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was the guy that came home, changed uniforms, and off I go again. And then one day it was like, you know what? This isn't for me. I have two children and a wife that I never see. And I have one shot to make it right. Mm -hmm. And going back into construction, Uh, We were building homes, and then I got hired uh, with a a big construction outfit, and one day um, I came up with the idea of FODs, and if I hadn't changed my life around, FODs would have never been born, Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: um, it was very ironic because I was working on a project uh, with um, CDOT, Colorado Department of Transportation, and it was uh, roughly... 2010, the summer of 2010, and trackout um, has always been a problem in construction. Basically, what I, I mean by trackout is that you cannot track dirt, mud, and debris on the city roads. It's against the law, and, and um, uh, CDOT and Colorado Department of Transportation and Um, you also have other agencies that step into it, stormwater inspectors, and Mm -hmm. they will fine you. And typically the first fine is roughly $5,000 and you get a prize for a second fine because (laughs) they say, you know what, this is a willful act. Right. We gave you a fine before and obviously you didn't think that was an eye opener, but the second fine is usually five times that amount. Mm. And, um, Typically in the United States for years and years and years, they used aggregate or rock at the exit point of construction sites to clean the tires before you get on the road. And the rock never worked because depending on the volume of traffic going in and out of the job site, the rock would get crushed into the ground and depending on moisture, rain or snow um it would happen more quickly or if you had volumes of trucks then you would have to have um we we call it fluffing you would call up for another load of rock to be brought in Mm -hmm. and it just culminates in layer after layer at the end of the job you're still required to get rid of it and at that point it becomes um contaminated because the trucks drive in they have uh diesel fuel dropping on the rock. They have... Um, Brake fluid, fluid, oil. Oh yeah, Man. all oh. that stuff is dropping <laughs> on the rock. So at the end of the, the job, you have to get rid of this contaminate, contaminated rock. And like I said, it just never worked. And I was working um, in 2010 with uh, CDOT on a project, uh, their training facility. And I was in charge of um, the BMPs, the the track out and things like that, and I was sitting there one day, and I was looking at this track out that they were going to use to train their employees around the country. You know, I was like, you know what, this is not working. And I sat there, and it was really strange. And I kept looking at the problem, and I said, well, how do I fix this problem? And you know, I mentioned God Himself. It was like. I was just sitting there and boom, the idea popped in my head to come up with uh, a mat that worked better than anything in the world, that was a reusable product. And when I did that, I started sketching. I had a notebook and I started sketching uh, my idea. And it just happened to be on this particular job, um, the senior engineer from CDOT, Uh, his name was... Um, Tom uh, Boyce very wonderful man you know like Tom come over here and look at my drawings and, and look what I've come up with and he was sitting there and I remember the sun was shining and he was looking at my drawings and staring at me and then he would look at the drawings and stare at me again and I'm like Tom <laughs> Stop staring at me. You're freaking me out. <laughs> <Say> something. <laughs> yeah. And he, he he sat there and he looked at me and he's like, Kevin, you just came up with the perfect mousetrap. This is incredible because we've needed something like this for 25 years in highways and bridges and whatnot. And you came up with the perfect idea.
0: Now, have you... Ever had you ever invented anything before? Have you ever had ideas?
1: Oh yeah, no, I I have. Um, It's kind of crazy because um, I've had a couple other uh, inventions that I came up with. And lo and behold, um, I came up with one in college. I had a, a class and the professor, this guy was incredibly smart because he had roughly 35, 40 students in his class And part of the class curriculum was, hey, I want all of you guys to think about an idea, come up with an invention, and if it's something really good, maybe I can help you with it. So he had 40 minds every semester. Mm. And I came up with this idea in, I don't know if you have boots, it doesn't matter if you have boots or shoes or whatnot, women's dress shoes. As you drive in a vehicle, your right heel that presses on the gas is always chafing, rubbing back back and forth. And And you get out and you might have a... I used to have cowboy boots, so this is how I came up with this. I looked at my heel and I'm like, wow, my heel is always scuffed up. How do I fix this? So I came up with a little plastic guard that covered the, the heel and it had two prongs that went right right inside the heel to keep it in place. And when you got it, uh, you parked or whatever, you just pop it off and it protects the heel. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, about a year and a half later, I see this heel guard in a, sh- <laughs> in a store. Are you serious? I swear to God. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> this is my idea. So then I did some research. And the professor's name was on the patent, and I'm like, "That oh, no good, man. whatever." Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I'm surprised you're not blinking this thing off here, but <laughs> but yeah, actually, so, so when you've I kind
0: of had a, had, you've had a creative yeah, mind. Yeah, I've always yeah. I've always
1: thought of things and how to fix them. So I, I have had a, a few great ideas, but I, I never had the opportunity to follow it through uh, fruition. And when we talk about FODs, for example, um, when I came up with the idea and you know, it's one thing to have a concept in your mind. It's the secondary thing is to have your sketches of of your idea. But from that point on, it's very, very difficult um, to make things all fall into place. And as we were talking uh, earlier, I. Um, I have been blessed with some really, really good people in my life and I had a mentor when I started this um, exercise and throughout um, trying to get FODs to where it is now, um, there were a lot of times that I would get down and out because it's like, oh my God, how how am I going to come up with the money? What's the next step? The engineering of the product. I mean, you have the ideas, you come up with a design and it was really funny because my current partner and I, um, we made the prototypes in my garage. (laughs) My wife thought we were crazy because we had sheet goods of plastic Mm -hmm. and we cut them into pyramids and whatnot. And we had plastic shavings all over the garage and she's like, what are you guys doing? But once she, she saw the, the prototype. We glued the pieces together and we spray painted them with yellow paint, and we actually brought them uh, fairly close um, to your facility here. About uh, I'd say at less than a half a mile away. Yeah,
0: the the DTC. Yeah. I was there for yeah. that. That.
1: Uh, yeah. So we we put them out there, and and um, lo and behold, uh, the city inspectors started coming out, and they're like, "What the heck is that?" And we only had a four by eight track out. Uh, that we made out of sheet goods, and they started looking at it and watching how the vehicles would drive across it, but even that process of how to get this prototype actually made into a production uh, facility was incredibly difficult, because um, you need a lot of capital, and we didn't have a lot of capital, Mm -hmm. and it's like, well, where do you find the capital so we started reaching out, trying to figure out our next couple steps, and we had our attorney step in. We hired a law firm, um, and my uncle, he was a judge. He, he is a retired judge now. So like I said, I went to him, and I'm like, hey, uncle, how do I, how do I find a, a law firm that can help me out during the process? And he said, well, give me a week or two, and I'll, I'll come up with somebody. And lo and behold, he did. And they were like, well, Kevin, you need a very high capital investment here. You need to protect your idea because you're just a little fish in a little pond. And if somebody else sees your idea, they can easily take it because they have the capital to hmm. um, to take your idea away. So we were very cautious in who we talked to. We didn't talk to very many people about um, FODs and um, we started trying to raise capital and I had a couple friends of mine that were in the banking industry and they would set um, up interviews for me to talk to these people that could bring the capital uh, that we needed but um, they were not nice people. They were, <laughs> they were unkind to tell you the truth because... Everybody that we talked to that wanted um, to help me, um, so to say, they wanted to take my company away from me, mm. and uh, just like Shark Tank, yeah. well, maybe I shouldn't say that, but, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the sharks, yeah. they're out there. Believe you me, you give us eighty <laughs> percent, we'll give you twenty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and. Yeah, on one of them, I can't remember. They they told me that uh, about that seventy five percent. You, know, we'll give you a six figure salary, and I said, well, what about my voting stock? You don't have any, <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna vote me right off the island. <laughs> this isn't working too well. Exactly. And so, you know, I was very discouraged, and a lot of times during this whole process, discouragement almost took over, mm. and I was like, you know what? this is too hard. I, I, I can't, I can't do this, but um, one of the, um, a good friend of mine that worked on that same project for C CDOT, uh, his dad was very influential in pushing me along. He was my mentor. His name is yeah. Bob Martinez.
0: So yeah. I want to, I want to, I want to talk about that real quick. Just the importance of a mentor, because you know, to me, it sounds like, uh, you know, having a mentor in this situation, it really helped you push forward oh, yeah. and not give no. up. But can you look it back too in your life, like other mentors that you had that maybe gave you advice or oh, yeah. that helped you along? I mean, since the, you were you know, younger. Probably
1: my, my greatest mentor, uh, like I said, our family was very instrumental in, in pushing us in the right direction. But my grandfather, my mom's mom, um, he was probably my greatest mentor because he would always, you know, always tell my brother and I that average is easy to come by but if you're want to do better in life you have to push yourself to get educated and he he was uh, an educated uh, man he believed in college and all that stuff and he would always talk to us about getting educated because he knew that the only steps in life would come through education and he would always uh, push us and talk Mm -hmm. to us and so he was probably um, the number one. Your me- first mentor. My, my first mentor. Yeah. But um, and he had five five businesses that at one time wow. that he, he um, had going. so, I mean, if you think about and he was raising uh, four kids and uh, excuse me, five kids. <laughs> and um, so he didn't have a lot of time. And I think talking to my mom and his uh children they're like well your grandpa wasn't the kindest man at some point and I was thinking back during my my um growth through FODs it's like you know what if I had five kids and five businesses you don't have a lot of time so either you walk the line and you pulled your weight or you're gonna get clubbed <laughs> or <laughs> something <laughs> right <laughs> you know so um uh, But getting back to FODS in the question that you had about mentorship, I believe that everybody in this world needs a mentor. And when you look at people that are very uh, successful, um, they didn't get there overnight. And I guarantee you, they didn't get there by themselves. They all had somebody to push them along. Um, You need a very strong family. And. I thank my wife probably more than anybody else in the travels because she was always there for me. she was very uh, positive and she had a positive role um, during the whole process because I'd come home and I was just down and out and I'm like, you know what i I, I can't do this. I just don't know how to do this but um, and she would always encourage me to keep trying and why don't you go meet mr. Martinez and have um, breakfast with him, so we we actually would meet once a month uh, for breakfast, and I would ask him all these questions. And he was a wonderful man. He had a a company, and I, I'm sure you've seen what he's done. He he put the power lines from Denver right over the Rocky Mountains to California. Oh wow! So if you go west on I-70 and look up at the top of the mountains, you can see what he did. Yeah. And at that time. Um, he had no idea how he was going to do that because he had a company that would do um, curb and gutters, repairs around the city, but he was a politician. He was always involved in politics throughout the city. And one day I was talking to him. I'm like, well, what gave you the idea to go across the mountains if you didn't know anything about electricity? He said, well, I myself had people pushing me along and he said there was a big job. It was a multi-million dollar project and they were looking for a Hispanic company to do the job or to have an, in, an influence on this project. So he's like, well, I didn't know anything about electricity, but I did my research and I started hiring people that did. And we put in a bid to carry the, um, the electricity on the power lines all the way to California and it worked. We had helicopters and all this stuff, and we got the project, and he's like, you know what? I didn't know how to do it, but I figured it out, just like yourself. You figured it out. Yeah. And like I said, when I would get down and out, there was a point, um, oh, I would say probably, I got my patent in in 2011, November 22nd, and about a year after that, um, we started up, and I was really it was in around Christmas time, and I was like, "You know what, Bob? I can't do this. I mean, I can't get the funding. I just don't know my next couple steps." And he's like, "You know what, Kevin? at this point in your travels, as far as getting this thing going, you're at a point that ninety seven percent I always remember that number. You're at a point that 97% of people fail Hmm. because they can't, they're right at the crest of the mountain, but they can't get over. Right. He said, So, what you need to do is take a little break, but um, get your act together and finish this thing up. Finish what you started because you're so close, you'll figure it out. Yeah. So like I said, I, I,
0: you know, and that's something I always, I always tell people too, to, to kind of like live without regrets in the sense of, you know, so many times we think about things. Um, and then we never, we never pursue those things. And then, right. and then we go beyond a point to where we could ever do those things again. And then you always have these regrets or thoughts of like, well, what if I would have, you know, or what right. if I would have done that? And I'm I always tell people, I say, listen, you know, you should always try to live your life in a way that you can look back and say, I tried and failed and it didn't work out right. or I tried it and succeeded because then you can kind of live in the present and never have to have any regrets about you not doing something that you thought you maybe could do, you know? Oh
1: yeah. No, no, I agree because, um, listening to Bob, um, I did get my act together and it's like, you know what? I'll figure it out. And I did. But like I said, I had a nucleus of friends and family around me. And I went to my friends and my family to help get the company funded. Um, All my friends, all my family, everybody that I knew that were close to me, I went to them and I said, you know what? I have this idea. I need to do uh, my next step. I need to buy equipment. I need to buy a mold and it's gonna cost me $250,000. I need your help. Can you help me? And everybody that I went to reach out to, uh, other than the Sharks, naturally. (laughs) (laughs) My friends and my family, they're like, you know what? We know you, and we believe in you. We don't know what FODs is. I mean, it Mm -hmm. was a concept to them, you know? And I said, this is gonna work, I just need some help. And they all believed in me, and everybody that I talked to believed in me. And lo and behold, the check started coming in for $25,000 a share. And one day I raised, um, it was about $800,000. And it was enough just to get started. And we started uh, with the manufacturing of the equipment. And it was really amazing because I couldn't believe how many smart people there are in this world. But when they saw the drawings and whatnot, they went off the drawings, and I hired an engineer to help me. And um, they had these huge uh, blocks of aluminum, and they had what they call a, a CNC machine that would uh, router the aluminum into all these shapes of the pyramids that would uh, end up being FODs, mats. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would always ask him, I said, so you tell me that all these big chunks of aluminum that you're cutting up, you're gonna plug in the machine and it's gonna make mats. Hmm, <laughs> show me. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, Mr. Martinez, you're gonna be surprised. Yeah. So they finished um, th- the milling and whatnot and put these big chunks on uh, semi-trucks and they were actually the mold and uh, my partner, Bryce, uh, he found a company in um, Florida where we were going to have uh, the mats made. And they put everything together. It took them about 10 days. And uh, lo and behold, I was sitting there and um, I I was dressed up to, to check this out. And I was sitting there and I had a couple engineers around me and they all looked at me and they're like, Mr. Martinez, you're not gonna start crying, are you? <laughs> and I said, you know what? I don't think so, but I if might. I do, I've <laughs> yeah, heard that right. That's right. You know? Yeah. So um, here comes the first couple mats and I was like, Oh my God. And uh, it was just one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life because now you actually have something that you thought of that was a concept in your mind. Mm -hmm. And now you see an end product that is your creation, you know? And it was just like, this is so amazing to me. But um, once we started getting the mats, it's like, okay, now how do we sell these things? Where do we sell them? And like I said, we were real lucky because uh, there was a company here in Denver that... uh, actually looked at the mats and we had the mats um, brought a, a truck to Denver so I, I met one of the, the big companies Bowman construction supply and I, I was trying to get them to buy the mats mm-hmm. and one of the um, senior uh, guys uh, Ken Ken uh, he worked with Bowman he's like yeah you know what We'll take a truckload. And man, I was so happy. I was like, Oh my God, this is like I just won the lotto, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and his boss came back and said, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, no. He said, Well, we don't know if they're gonna work or whatnot. So let's bring the first truck in on consignment. And my heart dropped, but it was like, Well, I guess you're right, you know. I knew he was right, but at the time I I thought i was luckier than that but it, yeah. it did work out we yeah we brought the mats to denver and about a month and a half later uh we positioned the mats in four quadrants north south west and east and we uh had them on construction sites and lo and behold people started calling us because they didn't know what these big yellow mats were and the mats are uh made in uh, like a pyramid shapes they're 12 feet in, um, by seven feet, seven feet being the direction of travel. And how the mats work is that as you drive a vehicle over the mats, the shapes of the pyramids, um, they, um, they actually uh, make the tires deformed. Mm. And it opens the lugs of the tires so all the debris falls on the mat itself and lo and behold as the trucks come off uh the mud and debris falls off on the mats and your tires are clean so pretty soon the phone calls started coming in and we hired a gentleman by the name uh, by the name of nate barker and he was in charge of business development and sales and right now uh, we have Roughly over 200 sales uh, men in the field hmm. across the United States. Last year, we became uh, a global company. We're in New Zealand, Australia, United Kingdom, and we just sent some mats to Japan of all places. so That's so awesome. It, it was a, a crazy ride, but what I, I tell people is like, you know what, if you have an idea, kind of like what you were saying, don't sit on it. Because mm-hmm. there are people out there that will help you and they will mentor you. And I tell everybody that I know is like, if you have a, an idea, call me up. Here's my business card. Yeah. I will help you because I know what it's like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, to take something on this big. It's not an easy road. Yeah. And there are too many people out there that want to take it away from you. But I will help you. I guarantee you.
0: Yeah. Uh. I always think I always think of ideas as um, you know like these gifts, right? That just you know come from the universe. They come to your head. Oh yeah. And if you don't act on them, then that will it'll pass you on and go to somebody else, and then somebody may act on that idea. Right. You know, and it's true. And it's just capturing those because you know in previous life I was a songwriter. You know. Yeah. And uh, I would. Get Like in the middle of the night, I would wake up and just hear this song in my head. And it was like, okay, this is like a gift that came right. to me. And I would write this song, you know. And I remember there being times where I had maybe maybe just written some lyrics down, but I didn't pursue writing it completely. And then, you know, a year or two later, you'd so, hear somebody with that same kind of so, concept yeah. or idea. You're like, hey, I, I had an idea that, that, that to write that mine. song. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so I think it's, it's, it's one of those things where you know, if you have an idea – you you should at least try to to capture it and then and then walk it out a little bit. And I think that's where mentors come in yep. come in handy no, too. I, right? I agree. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because uh, like I say, I've talked to a lot of people, and they're like, "Oh, Kevin, um, I had this idea. I wrote it down, and they bring me, you know, their their drawings and whatnot." And, and I say, "Well, let's look and see if we can find something here on a patent pending or patent." Search uh, and we had one guy, a good friend of mine, he had a, a great idea. And uh, <laughs> it was he was a truck driver and he would drive to the east coast, and there's tons of bugs out there, so mm-hmm. they'd all hit his windshield. And it, he had a wiper system that you press a button the wipers would actually come off of the windshield and it was like a a cleaning pad you know like at Mm -hmm. the gas station you dip that in there and you could scrub the 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 window uh he he came up with that that would it would do it by itself on the truck and yeah it was crazy but we looked uh we did a patent search and he's like holy cow somebody beat me to it but it's like you know what they didn't beat you to it He had the idea two and a half years earlier. Mm. But like you said, it passes you up because, and I I always would tell my wife, it's like, you know what? Uh, This is a godsend because why in the world am I the one that came up with this idea? There's Mm -hmm. so many brilliant people out there. Why isn't somebody, why didn't somebody else do it? Maybe they had the idea, but they never followed it through. And, that's why I was truly, I would say I was truly blessed because I had the opportunities. And when people talk about inventors and, and whatnot, um, you know, you look at it and it's like, well, how do you get there? What, what's the biggest thing in this process? And I looked back at it and they, an entrepreneur in the, the dictionary is a risk taker. But it's like, you know what, I've had a lot of people, Mr. Martinez, you're a great entrepreneur. It's like, you know what, that's not really the definition of who I am. It's perseverance, that's who I am. Mm. And it wasn't that I persevered by myself, my mentors pushed me. Mm -hmm. And every time I wanted to turn around, my wife is like, you know what, you gotta keep going. You're almost there. You can do this. And Mr. Martinez, my mentor, uh, and I think of my grandfather as well. um, He would always call me Sonny Boy. And when I finally got this thing up and running, I sat down and, you know, I could hear his voice. Sonny Boy, you you finally got there. So, you know, when we talk about how we got here, it was a help from a lot of people. Yeah. And I really believe and every day I thank my blessings to dear God himself. Because I couldn't have done it without him, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I thank him. I thank everybody in in the circle. I thank you as far as our marketing and whatnot, because uh, everybody's put in and helps us along the road. So
0: yeah, what are some you know what are some things that you could uh, share as far as like some pitfalls that stood out to you? Like as you were starting a company and, you know, getting partners and working with different people, what are some, what are some things that you could advise some people who are coming up to say, Hey, I learned from this mistake. You should watch out for X, Y, and Z as you're, you know, growing a company and building a company.
1: Well, I would say that there, there's a multitude of things And what you have to look through is all the negative people. There's a ton of negative people Hmm. because, and I I hate to say it, some of them came from my own family. Uh, I had some family members that would say, well, you know, I don't know why you're putting all this time and effort in it. It's not going to work. Nobody's going to buy it. And then I would think about it, and I'm like, you know what? You're wrong, and I'm going to prove you wrong. But when it comes from your own family, it, it kind of yeah, yeah. It, it's it hits home. Mm-hmm. And I had some family members are like, you know what, stay away from the dream breakers because mm-hmm. the dream breakers are people that um, they want to bring you down. Mm-hmm. Because if you're building your this company, you know, and they don't have what you have, and they they get jealous and whatnot. Um, you got to look past that and you got to make sure that you don't, um, get consumed by people like that. So I would say, you know what, uh, have positive people around you mm-hmm. because, um, sometimes when you get down and you don't know what direction and these other people are telling you that's not going to work, you know, me personally, I wanted to walk away a couple times because right. it's like, you know, um. And I tell you about my wife and my family; they're wonderful. And, uh, I would say, okay, well, we got money to go to Disneyland or whatever, and we're going to go on vacation. And guess what? Now I just had to pay my attorneys and engineers. <laughs> Here's a picture of Disneyland. <laughs> Why don't we go camping instead? You know, but the kids were great. My wife was fantastic, and you know what? We go camping, and mm-hmm. and everything was fun. I mean, we, we, we got through all that. And, and, you know, um, I would say also the hardest part about building a company is the capital. Mm -hmm. And I'll be the first to tell you, it was the hardest part of my journey. Um, so have a plan and just work your plan. And, um, lo and behold people will come to help you i
0: guarantee you feel the dreams if yeah. you build it they will come. and they'll,
1: they'll, they will <laughs> because i mean I, I couldn't tell you mark how many times i'd sit here and i mean i had sleepless nights i mean my wife would tell you i'd get up and she, she's like what are you doing and i was like well i'm thinking about this and this and this and i got so bad that it was a point that I would actually deprogram my mind. I'd go into my office at home and sit down with a notebook and I would write out everything that I can think of that I had to do the next day. That way during the night, I wouldn't think about it. Right. And, um, you know, uh, I would start sleeping and that's, I have this bracelet here and it has, um, negatively charged ions in it to help, my mind process slowed down because I would constantly think of things and every night I would wake up inevitably it was almost like a clock between a quarter to two in the morning to 10 after two all the ideas all the answers to the ideas would come at that time right? I was like, okay well I might as well just get up you know and my wife's like <laughs> there he is downstairs again in the office. But um, after a while, uh, I learned that by deprogramming my mind, mm-hmm. I, I would get through the night. But even so, now I would say i probably sleep five or six hours a night.
0: and um, Before you wake up and, and the ideas yeah. start popping.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I was like, okay, I don't need any more ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, no, like I said... Um, The struggles of something like this uh, are huge. But if you look around and you have people that believe in you, family, friends, uh, you'll get through this journey. I guarantee you. And I tell everybody, and that's why I was saying earlier, I hand out business cards. And I'm like, if you have an idea, you call me up Mm -hmm. and I will help you through this. I'll be your mentor. And i have had a few people that i've tried to mentor and it it works because people have a hard time asking for help i mean you talk to your wife and whatnot and you know um it's a team Mm -hmm. and a friend of mine um had a plaque in his office and he said the road to success and a, a man that is very successful has a woman you marry the right woman and you'll be okay so i believe in that yeah i got lucky i've been with my wife now for 37 years living proof living proof that good relationship but she's put up with a lot i'm sure (laughs) but you know like i said if you can get through all that you'll be fine and um, you'll figure it out it just takes a lot of work and you just can't give up on your dreams because um then you'll kick yourself around for the rest of your days yeah yeah and i had a a gentleman one time because traveling around the united states when we were going to trade shows and whatnot uh, i had a a a young guy he's like uh mr martinez what's the key to success i looked at him and i'm like the key to success is getting out of bed every day when somebody (laughs) else is sleeping in even yeah. on, on Saturdays and Sundays. Mm. And he said, well, it, it must be pretty easy then, huh? And I was like, well, let me tell you something. The harder I work, the easier it gets. <laughs> so. Yeah, I always say, the harder I work, the luckier I get. <laughs> yeah, I get pretty lucky, too. Yeah. <laughs> <get> pretty lucky. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I want to do a few lightning round uh, questions just to kind yep. of get to know you a little bit. Okay. Um, real simple stuff. What was your first car?
1: The first car I had was a... Uh, 1973 Ford Torino.
0: I don't even know what a Ford Torino is.
1: <laughs> uh, there was a movie that came out called Ford Torino. <laughs> okay. Was it the Grand, the grand Torino? The grand, grand Torino. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I yeah. know what that car okay. is. That's it. Yep, so that was the first car <laughs> okay. I had. And yeah, I actually had it for probably 15, 20 years.
0: Okay. Favorite kind of music, band? Jazz. Jazz. Okay. Yep. Oh, you were a trumpet player. We yep. really didn't get into any of that. But yep. I, I remember you saying yeah, that you played when I the trumpet. In,
1: yeah. I played the trumpet for uh, quite a few years. And um, <laughs> it was kind of funny because at one time, um, this gal, it was the end of my trumpet playing days because she's like, wow, what? you got a weird lip that was the muscle <laughs> from playing the trumpet right she made, like she, she made me feel so bad that i was I'm like, not gonna get girls yeah. i stop playing the trumpet <laughs> yep. so yeah it was kind of funny but that was uh, the end of the trumpet playing but
0: all right what about uh uh any any book or anything like that that you've read or uh motivational speaker or anything like that
1: yeah actually there was a book uh years and years ago i read when i was a pilot um The Great American Success Story, because um, I would travel and I would always um, listen to people. And that was probably one thing that I learned from Mr. Martinez, my mentor. He always would tell me, you know what, listen to people and don't be the one that's always carrying on the conversation. And he he had all these little uh, intricacies in his... uh, language, his vocabulary, and he would tell me things like that to listen to people. Because the greatest thing that he learned in his uh, career was that by listening to people and he would also tell me never go to lunch by yourself. Because if you're trying to work out a problem, if you listen to two or three people maybe you're having lunch with, you ask them a question and he said, typically the one that has the answer is the one that you don't think really knows what they're, they're talking about, <laughs> right. but they, they they have the answers. And uh, a lot of times I, I didn't know what to do and um, I would listen and the answer would come to me. Hmm. So I'm a good listener. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, favorite food. Favorite food. Well, you see me, I'm kind of a chubby fella. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love food. Um, Golly, I, I love seafood, Um but I am a meat and potatoes kind okay. of guy, too. Yeah, so I, I love a steak. <laughs> um Italian food. Uh, I, I like it you all. You like it all. <laughs> yeah. If you don't get this big over. If it's overnight. good, you'll eat it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. But uh, I'll look at some foods, and my wife's like, you're going to eat it, or you're not going to eat it anymore. <laughs> but, no, she's a great cook, so I – I'm lucky, man.
0: <laughs> oh man! Well, hey, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on uh, the show and oh, just thank sh- you for having sharing me. your journey and, yep. and talking to us. I know we could have a conversation for many more hours. <laughs> oh yeah, no, you know? I, I
1: love it. Yeah, yeah.
0: so um, yeah, I just I just appreciate that, and uh, I encourage you guys to to go out to uh, getfods.com, check out that product. Uh, it's it's pretty amazing, um, and I hope that you were inspired today by Kevin's story of. You know, taking an idea, following it to fruition, and uh, making sure that you surround yourself with uh, positive people and good mentors. So very good. Until next, yes, until next time. Remember, you're not so far from where you want to be, and you have what it takes within you to be successful.